0: Welcome back to the it's podcast. This week we have us as guests on the Brian Keane podcast. Now Brian is um, one of the most positive, energetic people that I have, uh, we have ever met and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to go on his podcast. In this we go into a bit more detail about our background um, what our training's like, what our nutrition is like. Um, And we just have an awesome time with Brian and we'd love to have the opportunity uh, to share the interview with you guys. So uh, kick back, relax and enjoy.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Brian Keene Fitness Podcast where we talk everything fitness, nutrition and mindset to help you with your goals. I'm so excited today to be joined by my two awesome guests, Tim and Jacko from the School of Calisthenics. Tim's background is in the world of strength and conditioning, and Jacko was a professional rugby player. Neither had any gymnastic background before they started the school of calisthenics, which is pretty incredible considering some of the amazing bodyweight feats that they can both execute. Like, I'm not even joking. If you check out their videos on social media, it ranges from human flags and handstands to back levers and muscle ups. Not to mention the lads, just side note are absolutely jacked. <laughs> so, as this is the first time I've had two guests on the podcast during the same interview, I'm going to keep the introduction super short and keep, pass you over to the two lads to explain their story. But with that, it is my pleasure to introduce today's awesome guests, Tim and Jacko. Lads, welcome to the show.
0: Woo, yeah, 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 wow, <laughs> we are excited to be honest. I'm just trying to be more excited. Where did that come from? Well, okay. Brian is one of the most excitable, like highly excitable people I think I've ever met. And so I was trying to outdo
2: him. I mean, you have doing well there. <laughs> I mean, it totally worked. I was like, oh, I, I like this energy. Let's, exactly. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, thanks for having us on. It's an absolute pleasure to come and spend a bit of time chatting to you and I uh, appreciate you um, sharing a bit of calisthenics love with your audience.
1: Yeah, you're still, lads, I, like I got really sucked in, like I was saying when we met for the first time in London, it was a few months ago, was it a few months ago, a few weeks ago? And yeah. I'd been following your stuff for ages, like your stuff's class, <laughs> some of your videos are amazing, some of the shit that you're able to do. Um, before we get into any of that, uh, we can start with Tim, or we can start with Jack, o, or you can rock, paper, scissors, it's totally up to ye, talk me through your backstory and what Got you started into fitness, and then what brought you to calisthenics?
2: Um, yeah, I'll kick off. Um, so it's Tim for those that can't, that don't know my voice. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been. I started playing rugby when I was about nine, ten years old, and um, a number of different sports when I was when I was younger growing up. Um, but that was my main one. Um, and then I sort of I, when I was about twenty years old, I playing at university. I started having some shoulder issues. And I dislocated my shoulder for the first time, and then that set me off on a road. Um, of a number of dislocations over the next sort of like probably eight years two reconstructive surgeries um, and I I tried to get back to playing the whole time and um, uh, it was continuing to have problems with it dislocating another surgery and um, I got. I was at the same time. I was. I was sort of moving tra- careers into a, to becoming a strength and conditioning coach, um, and I'd kind of decided that I couldn't afford to be injured anymore with my shoulders while I was trying to uh, start my career as, a, as an S and C coach. Um, and I was away um, with my wife in South Africa, where she's from. We, we're down by the by the sea, and. Uh, For some reason, I just didn't want to go to the gym, Um, and I thought, I've got quite a a light frame, I'm not a big guy, I should be pretty good at at bodyweight training. Calisthenics, it looked exciting, something a bit different some ideas of what I could do with some of the athletes that I was working with. But also, I kind of, in my mind, the logical thing when you've got an unstable shoulder is to learn to handstand, because in my mind, I'd done all the physio stuff in the book, none of it worked, and I thought if I can, if I can teach myself to handstand, I can have some confidence that my shoulder's actually stable. Um, and that set me off on a road of just exploring um, calisthenics and bodyweight training, and I, and I come from a background. Obviously, when you when you coach, your I use myself as an experiment a lot. So I've done a lot of different forms of training, from Olympic lifting, power training, sprint speed training, through to hypertrophy, strength, endurance, whatever. Um, but I've, I've kind of, for the last four and a half years, settled on on calisthenics, and it was it was literally to start. Off, it was something that I dragged jacko into. We we sort of got to know each other around the same time, and. Um, it was us messing about with some stuff and having fun in the first place. We never really thought that we would be teaching other people and running a business um in calisthenics, but that's a, a short backstory of the last sort of ten, fifteen years, I guess.
0: And then what about you, Jacko? Um, yeah, well, I'd also played um played rugby from uh, Crikey. I think my I've got a, a trophy at home um Dated 1988 for Best Effort Award, which basically <laughs> means you're crap, doesn't it? But you <laughs> it. So I was born in '82, so when I was six, I played, and that was at Nottingham Rugby. and I, uh, I went from six years old at Nottingham Rugby and played for every team all the way up into the first team, apart from the ladies. Um, which, with a haircut now, it's a hell of a lot better than the mullet I've sported for a couple of years. Was, uh, well, the mullet was actually. Uh, called the greatest haircut in rugby at one stage I think um, anyway so uh, I had uh, I think I had 13 years um, playing pro rugby uh, at Nottingham in the championship and uh, had five years ago had a head injury um, or I'd had a series throughout my career but it was one final one in training that um, ended my ended my career slightly early I was 31 at the time so no spring chicken but I think I had a couple of years uh, left in me but that was sort of cut short um, I met Tim around the same time um, through a mutual friend of the church going to introduce us and um, I was wanting to get into S&C and he'd gone in he'd gone into S&C through um, he'd not gone to university it was a, a different route in um, and so he sort of hooked us up and uh, he as he said he started to change his training around towards calisthenics and body weight I'd after my head injury it took me quite a while to sort of recover out to a, quite a bit of a break from training. I actually tried to get back to rugby for for a few months, but um, eventually it took me a year to be able to run without getting a headache um, and and some of the symptoms. But once I was able to get back um, into the gym, I'd always loved the gym. I would love that side of um, training. And uh, once I got back into that, um, around this time that Tim was exploring, um, trying to learn how to do a handstand, which at the start was pretty funny because we were absolutely rubbish. Awful, um, <laughs> because we were literally learning from scratch um like tim I'd had had a fair share of injuries from rugby so i would broken my shoulder blade my scapula in two places got a dislocated AC, uh, like full separation of my ac joint on that same side that has never been repaired and a whole host of other um sort of rugby related injuries that left us starting at quite a difficult point um but nonetheless we sort of cracked on and I initially thought I was always just going to go back in and do weights, and I remember the day where I was doing bicep curls in the in the gym and, and just looked in the mirror, going like, "Wow, you've got amazing biceps!" Now I looked in the mirror, going, <laughs> "What are you? What are you? What are you doing?" Like you could actually do anything you want now. Like previously, you trained for rugby. There was always a game at the weekend, and that was like my motivator. And and actually, when that was taken away, I actually found, to my surprise, that I found motivate myself to actually train really hard and, and and be really committed to it quite difficult without the end point of having a game each week and um, I never thought that would be the case but I sort of prided myself on that motivate I was always motivated always wanted to train the hardest that was sort of my thing I wasn't the most skillful player it was, it was all down to sort of like just hard work um, so that actually sort of came as a bit of a surprise to me and what I found with calisthenics was it gave me a bit of a um a new emphasis and energy to my training in that I had something to work towards that was it didn't rep it didn't replicate or change like it was completely different to having a game at the end but I had I had a goal of like okay I want to learn this handstand I want a human flag I want to do a muscle up and those um the nice thing about those goals is they're a real tangible endpoint. that there's literally a time when um you walk in you walk in the gym or you're going to wherever it is you're going to train and that suddenly becomes the day that you actually as we describe, redefine your impossible you do the thing that you've just been working for and it might be in weeks it might be months it could have been years but there's that day when you finally actually do it and um that that sense of achievement is uh we we've we found and, and a lot of other guys that are out there following our stuff uh, as we call them the students of the school are um finding that massively um rewarding and uh yeah and and like i said motivating and energizing for your training so since since i caught the bug um with that was never sort of never looked back really can't imagine now not training any other way
1: yeah i can definitely see from your content as i said i've been following you for a long time even before i knew both of you and your, your content is so good at breaking down things like the human flag or handstand and it very I don't know if this is going to be a compliment, but you know that you started not doing gymnastic backgrounds. And I mean that that as a compliment, because sometimes if you're following, say, someone that's been doing gymnastics for years, they're not able to break down, say, a human flag or a muscle up to someone like me. I'm like, look, I need it broken down into its most basic component. And you're able to put it across. Is that down to the fact that you're largely self-taught in terms of all the incredible things you're able to do physically?
0: Yeah, well, we like i said when we started we were starting from a point of okay we trained um and, and we you know we were trained both had trained previously for rugby and that involves strength and power training and whatnot um but we also came at it, tim with a series of shoulder dislocations me with a broken scapula and dislocated ac where your shoulders are you know when you're trying to handstand you all those things you named are all going to base around the shoulder being nice and stable strong and having good range of motion and we actually started we were actually starting from um, almost like negative equity and we and like I said we were rubbish when we started and, and in our where we were training in our gym no one else was, was doing it sort of four or five years ago and people actually we actually now see it as one of our best compliments that someone that says this, what are you blokes doing you just look like you're pissing about um, and that's sort of exactly what we were doing in the first place just exploring a bit of a different way to train um, but what we what we had to do to be successful in what we wanted to. And like Tim said, we weren't trying to do this for any other reason initially than just, we might use it with some of the athletes we we're working with. And but generally just for our own enjoyment of our own training
2: and doing something a bit different. And social media profiles.
0: yeah, But yeah, we, so we, for, for us to be successful, we really had to break it down to a point where anyone could, jump on and get started and it was our um, experience of, of s and coaching, I'll, I'll probably let Tim jump in at this point and go how actually what the, our S&C experience, and he, he has more of it than I do, um, and that's where we actually first started working together, um, training Paralympic athletes and how training a Paralympic athlete, how you actually have to, um, I always think of it as there's, you've got a, a, like problems to solve in that you might have an athlete with no legs or no arms or one limb misses. So, you know, there's, there's some sort of impairment that you've got to change your training environment to make it suit what you want to get out of in the gym. In that, you can't just go, let's do squat bench press um, and let's crack on because they might not be able to to literally do those standard movements or Olympic lifting or whatever it may be that you want to choose. Uh, so you have to change and adapt and literally make up exercises to suit the athlete that's in front of us, um, whereas with the calisthenics it was almost just the same thing but flipped around so um, we're still problem solving but the problem wasn't necessarily with my body although it probably was was just not strong enough and and too weak in certain positions but it was the the problem was okay this movement is really complex and requires strength in ranges that i don't have how am i going to manipulate the training environment literally making up exercises to help me fit into um the, the strength and movement requirements that I'm trying to that I'm trying to do for this seemingly impossible move, like a human flag, for example. I said I'd let Tim jump in at that point. You <laughs> must
1: have to add on that. Like, yeah, Tim's, Tim's like, nah, I'm sad. good, I'm good, you got it. I just <laughs> I just, I just
0: I didn't stop talking. I was like, I'm <laughs> stop. I don't think I've bre- just took my first breath as well. I'm talking too fast. I'm mean, you know, I'm excited,
2: I'm energised by your energy, Brian. That's what it is. <laughs>
1: I'm um, transmitting think, it through Skype. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think from, from just from my side to add to that is. Um, I, my my career started in university sport as an as a strength conditioning coach, and I think over sort of four or five years, that I did that. I worked with thirty different sports. So you just you, when you're in a university environment, you, you get all sorts from weightboarders to golf to um, horse riding cheerleading, and then you've got your rugby, cricket, football as well. And I'd and I'd learned to not see training as like training exercises, but just jo- just more to understand the physiology of, the, of and the biomechanics of the human body. And then if you understand how the body moves, you can Train anybody. It doesn't matter what sport they're going to go because you've just got to look at what the outcome is, what movements they need to be able to make on the park, and then how do we start to um, look at recreating those physiological demands and positions in the SNC environment or in the gym. Um, and I think the, the Paralympic experience is just a really pure form of that because it, it massively challenges you when, when you're the first guy I ever started I ever worked with was this guy called Richard Whitehead who was at the time a, a, a marathon runner but he's a double <clears throat> leg amputee um, world record marathon um, holder for all, a leg amputee so he, he, he at his best he ran um, he ran a distance in 20 uh, two hours 42 so this guy's shifted for anybody who kind of knows anything about, about times for a marathon um that's ridiculous
1: but when you, when like a lot of your for a marathon back,
2: He's fast. Half marathon at 114. Um, But when all of your assessments about how you screen an athlete to even start writing a program based on squat, lunge, single leg squat assessments, and you've got a guy who who walks into the gym who's who's amputated through the knee – you have to throw all of that out the window and go right. Okay, how am I going to unpick this? And remember, back in the day, I sat there trying to write a program for him, and um, I'd got. I was trying to work out. Well, have we got? Have we got bicep femoris? Where's it? Where's its origin insertion? What's glutes function when you haven't got a when a hip circumducts rather than going through a standard flexion extension pattern? And I, I just was. I said to myself, I just need to stop and I just need to start and I just need to unpick it and just see how it goes. And and we've done a lot of that with with calisthenics and and the Paralympic stuff gives you the freedom to not feel constrained by anything. You literally then look at the movement what shape do I need to be in for a human flag? Well, both arms need to be in full flexion. One of them's got to push, one of them's got to pull at end range. So I just now need to come up with some progressions, which mean that I can train my body to adapt to it. So a simple adaptation to impose demands theory. Um, and if I do that effectively, it's just a matter then of, of linking it together and combining the skill component of teaching myself and, and hardwiring the central nervous system to move in a different way and being able to put down the required amount of force in those positions. Jacko tells me off because I often tell people that the human flag is easy um, and it's not easy to do but the principles when you understand of what, you, of what you've got to try and do is you just need a stupidly good single arm active hang and you need to be able to connect that through the through the obliques to get the, the top side lift and the bottom arm is just pushing hard into the into the bar to keep the elevation of the rib cage up um, it's not that complicated but it does require some specific approaches to training and, and, and we just really enjoyed that process of unpicking movements, breaking them down, building them back up again. And we're really passionate about helping other people who have never done calisthenics. I don't think that they could ever do a human flag to have a a route on because when we started, we really found that there wasn't a lot of information available for people like us. It was all from ex gymnasts It's like, well, if you can handstand from the age of five, you don't know what it's like to try and learn to handstand when you've had two shoulder reconstructions and never done anything like that before. So it's been a, a very organic process, but we wouldn't be where we are without Sort of my 10 years and Jacko's five years of SNC experience because that's really bolstered our philosophy and approach.
0: Yeah, I think that, like, the School of Carcinetics, what did we actually start it was like January 2016, so like yeah. a couple of years ago. Whereas, like, the whole, um, like what you said, Brian, it's really nice actually for you, if you to say that. Thank you about that, that, how we break down the content so that it, it seems like people can, it seems less impossible, even though yeah these things might feel like that and they certainly did feel like it to start with and as tim said that human flag might not feel doesn't isn't that complex now but actually when we first started it was like how on earth do you
2: even do that i thought I it was thought photoshopped I was, yeah. and i thought it was going to dislocate my shoulder <laughs> yeah you
0: did yeah i did tim was like oh this this is the type of position where i dislocate my shoulder and I, I didn't know him when he had dislocated so i was like rugby mentality was just like shut up mate crack on it. This human flag. i'm like if you're not gonna have a go i am um and uh, But actually what the whole, um, I guess the whole of our coaching has, has come from um, a, a foundation of strength and conditioning, exercise science, background and foundation around mainly in Paralympic sport. And, you know, five years ago when I first met him and started getting, starting to, to transition out of like pro rugby into a, like, an S&C career, um, I didn't necessarily at the time was like mad keen on particularly um, passionate about um, powerlipics sport at the time It just so happened that that's where, where he was doing all of his work and and I basically spent the first year of my career just following him around um, and learning what he was doing but that that foundation of base level of knowledge that you that you're almost forced to try and do and apply uh, has really, I feel like without that, we wouldn't necessarily be able to do what we're doing now with our sort of car kind of sense coaching. And that's the end of
2: our really succinct answer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> works for me. Next question. <laughs> yeah, well, well, <laughs> well, well, something that I'm curious no, to dude. talk on. Just as as you're speaking on that, when you made the transition over first, and you both obviously had different reasons, um, even though there's a little bit of overlap, did your tra- when you started training for calisthenics first? Did you have like a transitional period? Or did you stop doing s and and hypertrophy and go straight into calisthenics or was there a period where it was like, right, I'm going to do, you know, buys and tries and then I'm going to do a handstand at the end? What did the transition in your training look like for both of you?
2: Yeah, I was, um, mine was really interesting because I was, um, like a lot of people, the guys particularly that I've spoken to since, they're like, oh, I want to try calisthenics, but I'm, I'm worried I'm going to lose all my gains because I'm not doing bench press. And I was at the point where I said, I'm going to give myself three ones. I'm, I'm just going to focus on calisthenics because if I lose all of my muscle mass and I don't like the way that it goes, I know enough to get it back. Um, and so I, I, I literally went like cold turkey, but <clears throat> that's a little bit about my personality. I'm kind of all or nothing. Um, but, and then that was yeah, that was four and a half years ago. And I've I haven't done a, a, a upper body weight based session. Since I started calisthenics, the only thing that I touch base with on a regular basis, um, where well, around lower body training, is is some um, weighted lower body work, and then I occasionally touch base with, with some Olympic lifts just to make sure that I can still do them effectively. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was me. You, you had a bit of transition. Well, just, yeah. just, just,
1: just before you go on, Jacko, for anyone that's not familiar with how the boys look, they both look like they've been peeled off the cover of Men's Health. So just to give you a little bit of a of an idea. Like by looking at you, you, both look like bodybuilding fitness models in it in, in the very lean, muscular like what most guys kind of go for in terms of look. And to think that you just got it from calisthenics and bodyweight training is amazing. Now I, I I know because I've seen how you train. But just to give anyone that is listening that is unfamiliar with the way you look. like it, It's so interesting to hear your transition in training and how you train. So just before, Jaco, you go on, I just wanted to uh, interject that slightly just to give people a bit more context on it.
2: Just add to your list of questions, Brian, just to ask Jaco about how he got that six-pack. Because <laughs> it's, it's not fair to, to let people believe that that's just from doing the human flag. Well, it was body weight training. It was a
0: lot of sit-ups when I was like 13 years old. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a curse, the turtle shell. Um, my, um, Tim always says it looks like I've swallowed a turtle. He's <laughs> um, living inside him. I did love the Teenage Ninja Turtles. I, him, I, I like pizza, like, what's that? Which All one of them. them. Which one likes Tell pizza? Brian about
2: your um, transition.
0: Um, my transition was a bit too, <laughs> I'm laughing, because I was that guy that Tim <laughs> said. I, so, I carry, I was, um, I'd come out of rugby and thought that I remember even saying to one of my mates, um, Tim Stroud, that, um, at, at rugby, I was like, "Mate, when I finish rugby, I am gonna hit the weight so hard and be so flipping ripped, you ain't gonna believe it." Like you think I'm in good nick now? You
2: wait till I finish rugby. And Jack had this phrase where he was his ambition was to become aesthetically unpleasing. <laughs> <laughs> it's called, yeah,
0: a, a phrase coined by uh, another friend of mine, play, Rowan Andrew, if he's listening. It, it's, it, it would always, and also too ripped was a um, <laughs> to to become to become so that People didn't act. It was like, oh, you look a bit too rich, you know. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, but no. So, um, yeah. So I um I was in a I was in a different place mentally, as I said, and and thought I was going to hit the weights hard and and try to, and just sort of ran out of motivation. But I was. Um, despite being terrible at pressing, like bench press was awful. Like I could barely lift a hundred kilo as like a, as a pro player. Um, my shoulder pressing strength was awful um, as well. And um, a, a lot of it comes down to like I'd injured my rotator cuff um, on my left shoulder um, and had as I said, broke my shoulder blade in two places. So when you, when you fracture your acromion and coracoid process um, and and leave a, a grade three discade AC joint, because that's what the sort of doc said, we'll just leave it, we won't reattach it. Um, it leaves you with a shoulder that's pretty rubbish. I remember my first game back playing and like tackling with the other shoulder and the coach sort of saying to me, mate, you were... Uh, wasn't really that impressed with your defense so I was like yeah I don't dare hit anyone with this shoulder because <laughs> it's just gonna and fall off again but um I carry I pursued initially with oh yeah I'm gonna still bench press once a week still doing rubbish shoulder press because my shoulders was just never actually um I rehabbed to a point where I could play rugby but it wasn't it was still relatively um I guess unstable um and so I it wasn't until I sort of finally bit, it was probably did, I'm trying to think how long it was for. It was certainly for like quite a few weeks, but no more than probably like a couple of months where I just ended up being like, cracky, you know what? This is just, I think it was once i had done my first, like the first thing I learned, or we both learned to do was a back lever. Once I sort of did that whole redefining impossible, did that back lever, I was like. Can you,
1: can you describe to everybody a, listening just a back lever? Because that's the one that actually of all the moves, even I had to check the name of that move because okay. I, I'd seen it a hundred times, but I didn't realise that's what it was called.
0: Yeah, so um, you're um, you're prone, so you're face down with your arms behind your back, holding onto either a bar or rings, but your body's out, um, suspended horizontally, uh, sort of parallel to the floor. You you get into the if if people are familiar with the skin the cat, where you sort of uh, uh, hanging on the bar. And you rotate yourself backwards, like a that backwards sort of somersault. Yeah, like almost doing like a backwards somersault, holding onto the bar above you is how you get into that starting position. But the it's the strength to be able to to press your body out to a sort of horizontal position. You, you're trying to look like you're defying gravity, effectively. Um, but once I'd done that, it was like I would got the bug, and I was like, "This is me. Like I'm flipping rubbish at bench and shoulder press anyway. Like <laughs> I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go after like." Um, uh, you know th- they're just vertical and horizontal pushing so why don't why not work on uh, a handstand from a bit handstand push-ups of vertical pushing I was it was like well actually yeah a, a handstand a freestanding handstand push-up that is flipping way cooler than me lifting some heavier dumbbells on my shoulder press um and actually since you know we've we've sort of through our own sort of experience then tim's been doing an awful lot of research to try and um Almost un- understand further and also back up what we've been experiencing ourselves and with people and athletes who we've been working with around increasing joint stability around the shoulder and, and why, actually, having trained like that, I now actually feel better having still had, you know, my I still got a dislocated AC joint and, and fractures that you know, what you've broken things, they, they're never quite ever the same, but I um, can do things now that I never thought I'd be able to do and feel way stronger. And Obviously. Um, you said that we still look pretty decent, even though we don't do it lift anyway. So um, we we tick that box as well. But the, the thing that we're quite passionate about is actually, you know, th- there's a, a series of things outside of your control when you talk about how how your body's going to look, your genetics, you know, what you're going to, um, and, and, and what you're going to, you know, eat is. It's still, I guess that's, sorry, that's in your control, but there's a series of things that's going to affect what your body actually aesthetically looks like. And um, we f- feel, we feel, and we felt it ourselves that when we focus on what our body, what can we do with our body in terms of performing some of these things in calisthenics as our main goal. Um, that's a, a more positive mindset from a mental health in terms of being happy with how I look point of view, because I'm interested in, okay, this is what my this is what I can now actually do my body that makes me feel great um how my body looks if I eat the right things I'm sure you'll get on to that sort of stuff in a, in a bit but if i if I'm doing everything I can do the how my body looks is just how my body's going to look um because some of that's going to be down to genetics and you know we've never um and if you want to take enhancing things uh, which we've never wanted to do or anything like that then you know you're sort of stuck with some of those things like your genetics um and we just feel that's much that's a a healthier way to look at things
1: which segues perfectly into the nutrition i'm curious for from both of you because i'm sure you both eat differently or maybe it's the same but what does your diet look like in terms of day-to-day what do you have for breakfast today what are you having for lunch like what does it change is it the same what kind of food do you eat um talk us through a little bit on your nutrition from from both of you tim or jack or whichever whoever wants to go first
2: yeah i'll kick off um i think nutrition for me has been a bit of a it's been a journey um I, we, we look my car my wife and i look back at the, the times when we used to have crunching up cornflakes for breakfast and they were good days um but we don't do that anymore um, so this morning for me, as an example, with scrambled eggs and some smoked salmon, um, some nuts. So I, I I don't eat a huge amount of I have carbs in my diet. I'm not anti-carbs, but I just don't I don't respond to them brilliantly. So I'm kind of fairly careful about the quantities that I, I have. Um, but it, generally, the, the the major overriding principle is just single origin or single source natural foods. Um, so we, we try and eat as, as close to source as possible, um, buying from farm shops and, and grass-fed um, uh, butchers or, or, or meat from grass-fed um, sources. Um, and it, it kind of falls a lot in line with what we think about calisthenics from a training perspective of, it. it's a very natural way to move your body. Like people will argue and say, well, human flag's not natural, but using your own body weight is actually how the human race has survived for a very long time. People got very good at surviving extreme conditions, winning wars, conquering new lands and whatever not because we had barbells, and, which weren't actually invented until 1928, but because we just got body weight strong, people would, like, would have that, that that ability. And we kind of feel that natural side of training fits really well into a natural way of eating. Um, so we don't, neither of us use supplements really at all. Um, I, I occasionally, some I've got some protein powder, if I'm being perfectly honest, but that's more just used as when I'm going to be out on the road or like you would be as well, Brian, you're out and about, you're busy. If I'm struggling to, to eat well and, and hit some of the sort of a macronutrient target which we don't track but just a, a general feeling of what we need to consume during the day then i might use that but other than that it's as, as far as possible trying to get food from natural sources and it isn't really any more complicated than that is it? yeah
1: yeah and you're the same jacko it, it's both it, your nutrition philosophy did one of do does one of you lead that in the sense that would, would one of you be more confident in the realm of you know what i prefer looking into different foods different recipes and then say the other person follows or do you just kind of both enjoy it yourself and just stick to the kind of the natural yeah, whole foods we both,
0: yeah we both sort of uh, uh, have been interested in it um both food is really like both, yeah.
1: both our
2: houses with our wives and stuff we both love to eat and cook good food um but i think it, yes yeah, it's, it's around that principle of yeah, like it's whole, whole foods it's, it, it's simple
0: stuff it's like you know Tim mentioned about carbs but, and, and, and not going crazy on carbs, but it's, it's keeping everything in sort of moderation because yeah. if we go crazy on anything, then, you know, too much of anything. So trying to, and and it's, and it, we're no flipping, we're no, we're no saints in that respect. I won't, I won't tell you I've just been in France and Italy for the last two weeks and my diet looked quite different because, you know, when in Rome you've got to have a, uh, a, baguette a cheese baguette <laughs> when you're in France, haven't you? Because that's what you're doing, you got to have a pizza in Italy. Um, but that's a, that's a small snapshot compared to like what's normal day to day looks like. like trying to eat, um, you know, trying to eat whole foods with a a, 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 a moderate portion of like protein, carbs, good fats, um, and plenty of vet fruit and veg. Um, and it's not necessarily for us, it's not necessarily any more complex than that. I think one of the what I'm sort of quite passionate about, and find, because I struggle with it myself, is that um, the difficult thing. Because those principles, people can can take that advice and go, okay, I can take those principles. I know that like a banana is a banana, and that's you know it's not a process. That's not processed food, okay. Um, I can go and I can go and apply some of that whole food um, and everything in moderation principle. The the challenge I find it most is making that actually a reality day day to day and being really and being consistent with it when you when the reality of life and busyness of life is going to get in the way and um there's a whole load of like you know you have to be prepared and organized to actually make sure you've got the right things to be able to then eat the right things and and look ahead if you've got certain periods where you know you you want to have something really good at lunchtime at work for example but you've actually got nowhere to prepare it or that means you're either going to buy something that isn't that is isn't whole foods and isn't what you want to have or or you're going to go hungry or you actually need to prepare something in advance and, and different ways that we can do things like batch cooking stuff and that sort of thing using like a lovely using a slow cooker and cooking up like you know a whole thing that's going to fit like make six meals and me and my wife can eat that three times and it just trying to make it simple in terms of application I think is one of the most beneficial things rather than there's nothing. There's no rocket science in going actually, just eating less processed food and more whole foods, and more veg and and good and and good quality meats, as Tim was saying. Is that that's you know, no one would argue that's actually not a good idea.
1: Yeah, but well, there's genius in simplicity. Um, sticking with whole foods, like again, macro makeup, calories, all kind of come into play. And for the general population, not so much for everybody because it's goal dependent, of course. But that's a really good rule to stick to. Like, if it's whole foods, probably going to be a better choice than the crunchy nut cornflakes, which, man, they are good, though. <laughs> like, um, do you have a cheat meal? They are good. Yeah, yeah. The, the, they're they're solid. Like, that's a solid choice. I, I was those or Cocoa Pops. <laughs> man, I freaking loved Cocoa Pops, too. Like, it's so good. <laughs> Uh, on with that just out of curiosity do you have a cheat meal of choice either of you or do you do cheat meals obviously travelling pizza etc but do you have a cheat meal of choice yeah, I
2: I've I think I think I'll probably speak to both of them Jacko can jump in on this, but um I don't look at food like that as a cheap meal because it's like I'm rewarding myself for good behaviour. Um if I wanna eat something I'll eat it, but I understand what I then need what the consequences of that might be and then what I might want to do. So one bad meal a week like isn't gonna isn't gonna set you off. It's not gonna you're not gonna change your body comp overnight. But it's trying to I think from a health perspective from us just giving the body easy things to digest is one of the things around like having um, Foods which is whole like close to, like, single single sources but for me if I'm going to go for it like I did an obstacle course for a couple of weeks ago and I was uh, as excited about the obstacle course as I was about the fish and chips that I ate afterwards <laughs> but it, that for me is that But if I want to have a pizza then I'll have one but it, I think it's understanding like what the knock-on effects are and then, and then for us it's the discipline to kind of go I'm going to have that once and I don't need to then that's not going to become something which I end up doing on a, on a daily basis um, but I, I actually like the thing is now we have a treat. when I mean, we've done a workshop on the way on the way back, we eat dark chocolate on the way home, like eighty-five percent or whatever. You ate a hundred percent. I love the hundred. The hundred is good. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's those sorts of things that we don't we, we don't we don't take it too seriously in that in that sense. But we we ninety I would say ninety-five percent of the time we're on point in terms of what we're eating. Yeah, and it's more about health, yeah. I guess. Like as we've got older, it's become
0: it's become more about you know what what's my body gonna be like when i'm 50 you know can i still do a handstand or can i can you know tim's got a little boy like can he run around with him or is he or is he gonna have knackered knees and can't move um you know we uh and being trying to be healthier that is gonna incorporate how we train and how we move but it's also obviously going to incorporate that the nutrition side of things and and it I think some of what Tim said, it, it comes back around to that that moderation again, um, and yeah, like specific like we don't the, yeah, neither of us have any specific like oh, on a on this day, I have this cheap meal. Um, and like Tim says to it the, the the idea to um, and this is something that I'll find not necessarily find easy, but the the concept of rewarding yourself is something that's actually bad for you doesn't doesn't make sense but i know we sort of all do it but i think that's the type of thing that gets ingrained from a from a from when you're a kid i remember getting um my mum would say oh well we could well we'll go to mcdonald's if you do you know your homework or whatever and it's 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 almost like the wrong way around you should you should um reward yourself with something that's really good for you um but they are trying to tell someone that oh well have a nice salad because you've done something <laughs> really good the, that idea is a bit um it's a bit left field and probably doesn't make, probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people in my, in my head, the idea, it makes more sense the other way around, but again, yeah. putting that into practice can be can be tough.
2: I think one of the caveats on that is that our nutritional approach has evolved over, over years. Yeah. Like, it, it hasn't been all of a sudden, like I was eating corn, cornflakes and now I'm an absolute saint with my food. Um, it's more about like just small incremental changes that have evolved over time and I actually don't enjoy eating crap food now. I yeah. would much, I'd almost sometimes rather not eat um than than end up eating something which is just garbage. And there's a lot of benefits to too. There you go.
0: But yeah, but I think there's you're always at the you're at the edge of your knowledge. So like when you when well you, you when you learn something new, you can choose to then apply it. But you know, if I think back to what I was my early days at university when I was still, you know, starting a rugby career, if I look back at what I ate then it was flipping terrible, yeah, but I exactly. thought I was doing a decent job because I was getting in my protein and mm. you know. But it was it it was. But you, but I didn't know I was I was at the limit of what I knew at the time. I was trying to do my best, but yeah, I didn't yeah. actually know that much. Yeah. Um, and I think as you learn more, um, you can then choose to apply. If you go, okay, this is. I think I found out that actually, that's not so good for me anymore. then um, so I'm going to choose whether you want to have it or not.
1: Yeah knowledge is a real power with nutrition um for example i i used to eat fast food in college but when i was about 22 23 i started to get really into nutrition um around the time i started doing my first kind of courses along the sides of nutrition and when you start to see things like the chemical makeups of say trans fatty acids and like how poisonous they are for your body it's very, very difficult to eat those foods when you're like, I'm literally putting a poison into my body if I consume this. Um, And that's a really helpful thing for people because sometimes you need to know why you're staying off the food because it tastes good. (laughs) Like, let's be fair, you go to McDonald's, you know, a Big Mac is going to taste pretty nice, but it's very, very difficult to eat it when you know what it's doing to your body. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. The other thing I really like... Sorry, I'm just going to. Yeah, just I really, really like your attitude to food. I just want to pull this out just because I know my audience will get a lot from this. Um, And the negative connotation that can sometimes come with cheat meal. Um, So for example, anyone I ever work with in programs like I I, it's not called a cheat meal, I call it a free meal. It's like, right, eat your free meal. If you've eaten 90% clean, 95% clean, have the meal that you want. I think that's a really important thing for people to pull out um, because particularly when you're living example of the way that you look and the way that you live to show that you don't have to be fixated on even the negative connotation of a cheat meal, which is rewarding yourself with food. I've got Lane Norton on the podcast on Monday and he's big on the don't reward yourself with food. You're not a dog. And that thought process is really, really supportive for people. Just to bring it back a small bit, because I'm curious on, because I've got different questions. I could ask you a million questions about canon aesthetics, but what's the most frequently asked ones you both get? Oh,
2: crikey. <laughs> do you mean it, it's, yeah. de- it's definitely
1: how to do a human flag or how to do a muscle up? It's definitely one of those, like I would think if, from the outside. Uh, we, there's, 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 two, there's
0: probably <laughs> two answers to this. We get there's. There's um, proper if you said that actually, if we gave you this the the top one in terms of frequency and if you're talking about like comments and uh, direct, uh, direct probably direct messages mm. on Facebook and Instagram where's the bullet the <laughs> the de- they're, they're, they're a bit different to like the best most common answers that will you know that will actually answer on a on a Q and A yeah. Q&A and a podcast or something like that because we'll get a lot of questions like um, will callisthenics make me taller.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, like, i
1: know i get it i get the theory the lack of compression from the weights maybe it'll stretch it out I, yeah I, I don't know but
2: i honestly I went on, on instagram in the week from that and i wrote, I wrote back to a guy and said how old are you and he's like i'm 16 i was like you've got some time on your side yeah you, you, might, should, you might you should have just been, been like yeah 100%,
1: like yeah 100 percent like for the next five it'll years calisthenics will make you grow taller <laughs> But
0: we—I mean—it's interesting because
2: actually, when we started, we were what five foot two (laughs) hobbits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot of the ones we get, a lot of our audiences, because of where we position our content, um, are beginners. So I think that the biggest question that we get is is for people wanting to get started. How do I get my first pull up? Um, a, A lot of stuff is around handstands. People really struggle with that because it's such a complex process to learn and. I think it's a little bit I don't want to go off on a tangent but it's a little bit of um, people wanting to get the direct route from A to B without actually going on a, on any kind of journey so it's interesting sometimes when we're we doing workshops we speak to people and they, they go right I'm struggling my handstand I can't do this bit and often we're just going to go yeah you need to go and practice or you're not strong enough and you can see them kind of process it in their mind and it lands and they're like that's not the answer I wanted to I want you to tell me exactly what it is that I need to do to handstand and like there isn't a thing these are the coaching cues you know what you've got to work on you've got to go ahead and put some some time in um and that that journey is of massive value but you have to stay the course if you're gonna if you're gonna get a handstand so i think for me those are two, two basic strength for people getting started and handstands i think for me yeah yeah, yeah. um and we've got a, we've got a free beginner's
0: guide on the website that's got 15 video tutorials of it covers like pushing pulling core That that we literally we we was the first thing we put together. Uh, So when we launched the website, we had nothing to sell. We just had this free beginner's guide because we just knew how because we'd experienced ourselves. Like like you say, you can tell that we started from zero and we weren't gymnasts, Um, and that we knew it was difficult to get started for us. Um, And so we knew that you know for other people it's going to be the same. When we've always been passionate and want to stay passionate about helping other people you know, get started because, um, we know there's huge benefits to, to this form of, um, training from, you know, the, the physical benefits to the mental benefits to, to even just the fact that actually you can, you don't need a lot of stuff. If you're just going to, you can do it at home. Um, it, you know, it might be that that just saves you the the journey to and back from the gym might, that could save you half an hour, three times a week. And what could you do with that time? Um, because you've got a busy schedule you know there's, a, there's so many different things that we've experienced we we just want to you know if people want to we uh, uh, get started we want to have make it easy for them to do that
1: oh i love that i'll link that up in the show notes as well at brankeyfitness.com for anybody listening i'll link that directly you can download it straight from there i'll link up their website and um, and the and the, is it a gu- is it a guide like it's a downloadable ebook is it or is it a video yeah, video yeah. series Uh, ebook yes it's a
0: a download ebook and then there's the videos are linked within the ebook oh brilliant the tutorials
1: what are the top two or three tips then that you'd offer someone that's looking to start calisthenic training I'm sure it's all in the ebook but even just off the top of your heads now is there and the tips may be different is there two or three tips that you would offer because there's going to be people listening who are like yes I'm going to give that a go and again I highly advise it I think calisthenic training is probably one of the best forms of training you can do in the sense that and this is nothing to do with the guys being on the podcast like there's no point being under a barbell lifting 100 kilos if you can't do 10 strict push-ups so it's a high end of guy or girl looking to build strength and body composition body weight training and calisthenics is a great way of doing it but is there two or three tips that you'd offer someone that's looking to start
2: yeah my first one is around um, embracing play in your training um it's such a it's an enjoyable form of, of training because you're going to do things that you you can't do so we we take people and beginners and we say right let's start learning some hand balancing skills and then i've never tried to balance their body weight on their hands before um and it's fun like they're going to fall over you're going to fail you're going to hit your face on the floor like jacko did the first time he tries to do a, a frog stand but you have to just embrace that that um, that sense of enjoyment and play and when we're coaching we often just will give some progressions and say right guys go and have a play with it because you, there's so much of that self-discovery of mindfulness of being conscious and present in your practice of how you move what happens when i balance too, well i tip too far how do i correct that and, and you become very in tune with your own body but um i'm really big on on see on on, on bringing enjoyment and play and jacko is the same back into the training environment because i see so many people that aren't having a good time um, people say to us all the time, like, "What is your favorite f- form of session?" And I think, they I think, what they want us to say is like, "Oh, we start, we warm up with a thousand pull ups, and then we do a thousand dips." But it's not. It's the ones where we're in a location, could be in the gym, could be anywhere, and we're literally go, I don't know, let's go and play around. Let's go to the beach and just play around with some movement and see what we can do. um So I think that's the mm-hmm. first one for me. and The freedom
0: them. of get, like of literally how many reps and sets are you going to do when, what rest periods are you going to use and go actually yeah, I'm going to give myself the freedom I'm going to just explore yeah. what feels good and when you, your body as if you listen to it it tells you when you know, you've done enough handstand yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
2: um, the other one for me is, is um, we use the phrase earn the right to progress um, there's a lot of times where people jump too far they want to get to the end goal so they just go and practice the full human flag right from the start and they haven't earned the right to be there you've got to go through the progressions and, and what happens is they go right for the end goal and they kick away at it, there's nothing's happening, and they find that they have got to go back to the beginning and actually build that progressive approach do the do the hard yards to get there and you, you you can avoid wasting a good month or two while you work out that actually you're not strong enough and you've got to go back um back and actually yeah do some of that foundation work. Have you got anything else
0: um I'd probably say just don't try to do too much at once, yeah, so you can. You can get excited and go right. I'm going to do. I want to do handstand. I want to do human flag. I want to do levers and I want to do muscle ups
2: and yeah, trying to do. You know, I want
0: to planche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Or, yeah pick, either picking hard into you or picking too many um, things, um, and because it can just be a bit too difficult to try and focus on all these things um, at once, uh, rather than just you know pick pick one or two and, and, and just start to explore. Um, where you're at with them and there's you're going to learn a lot about your body where you're where you're strong where you're weak and where you're lacking either uh, the framework we have for our training is built on two pillars movement and strength um these whatever it is you're going to do it's going to require you to have a movement portion of it like creating range of motion or having control through range of motion um, and a strength component you're going to find out do you which one of those or or both um, do you need to upgrade for the, the particular thing that you're going to choose to um, to start with.
1: And with your own training now, I'm curious, again, the answer may be different for both of you or maybe it's the same. I know you focus big on play in your own training even, but what would a typical workout look like? Do you focus on what your main goal is now so if for example you're like right I want to hold the human flag for longer do you make that the primary focus or do you do a little bit of every movement in each exercise so that you kind of keep on top of it how do you kind of set your training up now
2: yeah the interesting thing with that is once you've once you've narrowed down a movement for a period of time like I don't need to practice a human flag um I can do it sort of it's not in the right setup but fairly cold because it's just it's ingrained and you've got that basic strength and you're actually maintaining that strength through a lot of other movements through my, my general pulling and pushing patterns um, so there's, there's generally for us new things that we're trying to work on and, and there's some experimentation and play in that so for me at the moment i'm trying to spend a bit of time working on, on my planche um, which is brutal. Um, but a lot of, the, and that's so ha- it's a similar process to what Jacko explained before, and that having a goal, but then there is, there has to then be to support that a decent amount of strength work because what's going to unlock that planche for me or give me access to some harder progressions is not necessarily just really super specific stuff, which looks like planche all the time. I've still got to go back and get stronger. So if I take a front lever, for example, it, it, you can hold the, the technical aspects of the position by supporting yourselves with bands. But the reality is for people that can't do it, you're just not strong enough and you're gonna get stronger by doing the basics. So it, a lot of it always boils down to um, pull-ups, push-ups, um, vertical horizontal pulling, um, and, and that's, that's still a large part of what we of what we focus on so it's having a specific goal because we be like that tangible aspect of working towards something but still not neglecting the basics. yeah and they'd probably be like the session itself might look like We'll always do it, we always do as movement
0: what we call movement preparation so just the, the, the mobility work the activation work that we need that will just be some of it might be a little bit specific to the, the, what you're going to do in the session um, and then there might be a little bit of that play aspect. The, at the at the beginning um or, or at or sort and or some work on something specific that you're working on and then the back half of the session is is around sort of getting globally strong yeah reps sets yeah put some put some work in the bank um,
1: yeah I love it that really helps just cuz it's um it's such a unique training style in terms of the way the parameters fall it's a little bit different to bodybuilding you go in and do Three, four sets, body part, or strength and conditioning. You're working for strength, and then you're doing your conditioning. Um, there's a little bit more of a freedom with it. That's why I was really curious on it because of um, just from what I've seen on your platforms. Um, just even wrap my own head about how I would, because at some stage. When I get through, I've I a run in the. I'm running through the Arctic Circle in February, but after that, I've got a little bit of a free window of training. So calisthenics is the next yes. on my list to try. You're gonna, you're gonna come to see us, Hundred <laughs> like percent, that is one hundred percent on the cards. I'm all over that in March. Pin me into the diary. <laughs> Cannot,
0: right? Cannot right. Where, you're booked in. Um, I think that one. One other thing to say on that is that, say, take the handstand for example. I mean, any of it, but take the handstand for example. It's uh you don't have to we ended up going um sort of all in with with body weight and calisthenics just because we enjoyed it so much um but that doesn't say that somebody can't mix a bit of it into their strength training that they might be doing we're some of the paralympic athletes we're still working with if it's applicable we'll use some of the exercises you know tim you've got a load of um wheelchair races that um some of that planche work is really really beneficial for um so, you know, somebody could want to improve their overhead pressing um, strength because they know it's a weakness and actually it, do a little bit of handstand progressions and handstand work to actually improve that shoulder stability that will then let them improve the strength of that vertical pressing. So it doesn't have to be, or you don't have to choose either or. Um, it, it, it can totally be, that's probably, that, that is a question we get asked actually. It can be a blend, we just choose not to mm. use weights because we actually just enjoy doing purely body weight. But that's that's just our personal preference. Yeah, no,
1: I like that. I'm going to take a little bit of a different direction now um, just for the last little bit. It's kind of, I want to say kind of rapid fire, but more I'm going to throw random questions at you. So not necessarily based around calisthenics, and you can go in whatever, whatever order. You can go Tim, Jack, or, or you can alternate. It's totally up to you. First one. Go. When you think of the word successful, who's the first person besides each other or beside the family member that comes to mind, and why? Brian Keane. <laughs> and beside me, <laughs> but but I I would totally take that. <laughs> yeah,
0: well you always tell you you tell us you've got the best life ever.
2: So yeah, that's pretty full on, isn't it?
1: That's true. I do have the best life. Crack it.
2: That's a hard one for me actually because I I, I probably draw. Uh, some influences from from a range of different people, but I'm also I don't want to sound a bit obtuse say this, but I'm also like um, I try not to follow too much stuff because it's I was watching some Gary Vaynerchuk stuff through the week, um and he was like I don't want a mentor because I don't want somebody coming in disrupting my energy. <laughs> was like, that's that's really bold thing to say. Like I'm not going to go to that degree, but I don't know that I've got. a I've got success depicted um in somebody else that I'm aspiring to be like in, in a particular person there are a number of different things that I, I would like to achieve but um I think I've learned over the years and maybe this has come to like at the beginning of this year I didn't set any goals um because I've had a because life kind of gets in the way and and sometimes and opportunities come along that you didn't see coming so um yeah I'm going to take a it's almost like a very ambiguous answer, but it was um, it's a difficult one for me to, to do that. Have you got anything it's, better than that? Yeah, let, me, let, me, let, me just, let me rephrase it. It's, it's definitely going, not a quick fire. It's definitely yeah, not a quick fire well, answer. It's not really. <laughs> it's a quick, like, fire. It's the quick oh, fire.
1: I'm going to reword that one slightly for you, Tim. Um, when you think of successful, is there a word that pops to mind? So for example, when I think of successful, I think persistence is automatically the word that comes to my mind. Is there a word that comes to mind? Yeah, freedom. Love it. Jacko,
0: mm, Yeah, uh, I was going to say consistency.
1: And do Not you have, a person, and do you have a person, Jacko, as well, alongside that? I'm curious, will they overlap uh, with your work? Uh, yeah,
0: you? I, 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 don't, like, nothing, I don't have, nothing springs to mind. Um,
1: that just feels a bit boring, doesn't it? No, I like that, though. I but think consistency I um, and freedom, they're two great answers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two ones I didn't expect, but two ones that I love. Yeah,
0: well, the consistent is more about needing to be consistent to be successful, was my way around. I was thinking of it. Yeah. I
1: anyway, it. next one. What purchase of £100 or less has most positively affected your life in the last 18 months, two years? Easy. Gymnastics rings. Oh, Straight, yeah. up. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Straight in there. Because I don't need them. Like that is my gym.
2: I, I put those in my my bag. Like my wife's South African. As I said, we we travel quite a lot. I can train anywhere in the world, and I can get a proper workout with a set of gymnastics rings. Yeah. I'm looking around. We're sat in my house. I'm looking around, like looking at what have I bought
0: recently? Like what have I bought for less than hundred quid? Um, Times are ticking, Jacko. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. That's am rubbish at this. <laughs> Could, what have I bought for less than 100 quid that's really impacted my life?
1: You can go up to 200, you can go up to more if you have to. If there's something that you're like, man, I would really struggle to do that, he is a high roller. I mean. No, I, I know what it is. It was about 82
0: pounds, including that. Um, that was what it cost to get my van fixed, which was uh, so I've got a camper van that I did up for myself. Um, and it died on me like about three days before we were about to go on a holiday, which was taking the camper van to France and Italy. Um so that would have had a big impact on my life if that didn't. There you go. Yeah. Good one. Good I, like
1: one. I included the <laughs> Next one. Who can hold a human flag longer? Okay. Fifty Quick minutes time. later, Six, uh they're tied. <laughs> 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 um, it, it, or it, it, I'm curious on that one. Uh, this is a, a question I meant to ask even in the main. Is there? Do you find that you're very l- l- level in terms of skill ability, or is there a very obvious difference in, you know, Tim's ability to human flag versus the amount of muscle ups Jacko can do? Is is, is, is or are are you both at a similar similar level?
0: That, yeah, I think Jeff Generally at a similar level, but your Tim's like pushing strength and handstand work is his his official title at school. does is head of handstand um, <laughs> for good reason. Like his his hand his hand balancing handstands, um, his pushing strength for uh, uh, is uh, yeah knows an awful lot better than mine. Well, your pulling um, is better than mine. Yeah, but I think it comes down. Some of it comes down to what you previously good at. Like I mentioned, I was never any good at, yeah. at pressing. Um, so it's actually no surprise that I find pressing harder. Um, whereas I was always decent at pull-ups and weighted pull-ups as part of the training we did for, for rugby for years. Uh,
1: next question then. What's your favourite calisthenic movement?
2: Uh, for me, like anything which is on my hands. Um, someone asked me this in the day, actually, I think it was one of the questions that I said it's. A handstand for me never stops giving. Once you can do a handstand, I can do a handstand push-up. When I can do a handstand push-up, I can learn a tiger bend. When I can do that, there's always mm. more for me to do. There's so much scope around that that, that that kind of part of calisthenics. Whereas a human flag for me is a tick in the box. I'm not really too fussed about taking it any further.
0: Yeah, it's
2: uh, I have enjoyed a flag in my time, there's
0: many photos <laughs> in different places. That's what I quite like about doing it. Um, I did my world my not the world, my my highest flag to date on holiday at four hundred odd meters, um, not on a pole. It was there was a sign saying that's where we were at. Anyway, um, but it's probably for me. It, it's a. I like doing anything that I can't yet do in a weird way. It's that. It's that thing of trying to learn something new, and that might even just be like a. Um, like I'm really enjoying working on like my back bridge at the moment which is more of a mobility type of thing um but trying to do it, yeah it's that it's the trying to do something that I can't yet do um it can be a bit frustrating at times certain things but um it, it there's there's something nice about um it's almost like the the anticipation of like when you're going to finally be able to do it, and you get these like along the way. You don't you don't go from our car feels impossible, I can't do it, and then suddenly do it. You get these like little glimmers of hope along the way. I had one the other day with my like my straddle planche, and it felt it was like it's still I can't do it, but it felt I had that little glimmer, and that's that always makes me sort of excited. I think that's the thing that I like about
1: it. Love it. The next one may be training based, and it may not be. What's the best advice that you've ever been given, and who gave it to you? Okay, I've got one.
0: <laughs> Go on. It was Tim gave it me it was very early on
2: in, um, <laughs> oh, in my okay,
0: career as being basically self-employed, um, and he said, "I can't remember, I can't remember what it was." It was obviously some inquiry came in about to, you know some work that was available, and, and I was like, "I've got no idea." He's like, "Just say yes, and then figure out how to do it later." I stole that off Richard Branson.
1: <laughs> <That's> great advice. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> that's self employed life, right? That's, uh, that's the business. Um, for me, someone said to me quite early on in my strength and condition career that when you're at the top, someone's always going to want to bring you down. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm at the top, but whenever I encounter those kind of situations, it's, um, it's a reminder that you're probably doing something which, is, which is, has value.
1: Yeah, um, I love, there's a, I can't remember who the quote is attributed to, but it's uh, that no one kicks a dead dog, that when you're moving towards something, it's normally a sign that people are going to start kicking you or throwing stuff at you. So it's, uh, in a lot of the cases, assuming it's not someone in your inner circle, your wife, your partner, that's like, Jesus, maybe don't do that. There's probably a good sign you're moving in the right direction if you're getting a little bit of negativity or hate. Um, So really good advice on that one. The last one, then, because I'm conscious of time, and like, I could I could talk to you lads for hours. I'm looking forward to coming over in, in March after the Arctic. That'll be uh, <laughs> that's gonna be the deadly. going to be like, right, human flag, go. <laughs> um, last question: If you could go back to give your 18 year old self advice, either training, life, or anything around the time of coming out of school, what would you say to them?
2: Uh, do what you love. I think there's a lot of time for me over at university and stuff, I was, I was doing stuff because I felt like that was the right thing to do. Um, and I'm way better and I have way more success when I invested time and effort in the things that I love. Yeah. I'd say uh, you can do anything Um
0: because I, I came from a, you know, my, um, I've got, I'm one of four uh, kids and everyone went to university and, you know, the idea is, um, you know, once you've been to university, you get a job and it has to be like a, um, um, what's the right word? Proper job. <laughs> yeah, proper job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, clearly, I'm not doing that now. And um, I think it took me a long time to realise that actually there's a lot, you know, there's, there's so much we can do in life. And actually, whether it's work or not, that you can, there is the it's seemingly the possibilities are endless um i had i was in the i was in the sauna actually yesterday and the guy what did a guy say oh he was talking about health and safety because he wanted to throw water on the like thing to make us anyway i was i was thinking mate you need to get i've been to thailand once i remember the, the the biggest thing that struck me about thailand was like anything goes like i don't mean like being naughty and like illegal but like you can do anything and it's that that i i remember coming back from there being like yeah, you really can. Um, you know, life—it it doesn't. We get told in the well, depending on your upbringing, but um, you know, you, you, if like mine, it was that it was a bit sort of the well, the opportunities seemed a bit more like in a box of like you need to do this, and this, and this. But actually, um, you know, I'd say to my, I'd say to my eighteen-year-old self, it, you can literally do anything. Um, so, you know, it's a bit ties in a little bit what Tim said, like do what you love. But yeah, go and explore. Don't be afraid to do something that uh, is a bit different if that's what you want to do.
1: Yeah, I think it's great advice on both sides because they're very, very similar. Um, And I think anybody listening, irrespective of age, the only other thing that could catch you there, because that advice is amazing, whether you're 25, 30, 40, is don't get kind of caught with the sunk cost fallacy of, well, I've spent so much time in this job, I need to stay in it, or I've spent so much time in this relationship, I need to stay in it, or I've spent so much time doing, insert X, amount here and you even though you're miserable and you hate doing it you think that because you've committed so much time to it you should continue to do it going forward um I love that advice I think for anybody listening to adapt that and apply that in your own life is going to support you and just make you healthier and happier yeah. lads I think there's one thing on that Brian
2: I just wanted to add on that is that if you if you are careful about how you design your lifestyle and you're not Taking on huge mortgages and massive debt and creating all this stuff around in your life that that then needs sustaining, it's way easier to pivot and just quit your job because you actually haven't got all those commitments. And that's the big thing that that, that my wife and I, she's self employed as well, have done. Like, we don't have a luxurious lifestyle, it's pretty simple, but it's afforded us the opportunity to make quite brave fairly sort of calculated risky decisions because you you're not not all of a sudden worried about how we're going to cover these costs we can live on on a fairly small amount and i think that's something i would advise people like keep your life simple because if if you have that feeling of you want flexibility and like i said before the freedom to do what you want to do
1: i have a quote right in front of me here um from i think it was from the book sapiens um talking about the luxury trap and I have a little note made underneath it that says, are you doing stuff you don't want so you can buy shit you don't need? And yeah, yeah. it's it's literally right here in front of me as I'm recording this because I have to remind myself of that because to live a life of freedom or, or freedom's freedom's relative, but not spending money on stupid shit to either impress people that you don't care about or that you don't even know. Or to make yourself feel better and numb out from a reality, like I did it for years. I used to be a primary school teacher, and I know I think it was Jack or was it you that was secondary. Did you do secondary school teaching? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I remember I used to spend my money on all sorts of stupid shit because i wasn't really happy in my job like again i liked working with the kids and i really enjoyed that but i hated the meetings the paperwork the marking um, and i used to spend my money on stupid shit just trying to justify well you're doing a job you hate at least buy this tv or at least buy this new xbox or buy this thing it'll make you feel better and all it is is a band-aid over a bleeding wound um mm. so i love that piece of advice as well tim lads I, as I said, I could talk to you all day um, and I can't wait for March. And I'm going to link up everything in the show notes. So, your Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, the um, ebook, I'll have that linked in there as well for everyone listening, briankeenfitness.com. But tell everybody listening, where's the best place for people to follow you, find out more about you, and where do you spend your most time? Um, probably what, the, the
0: website, com, And then we're, we're always in, in, uh, on Instagram. And Facebook so we've got uh, yeah, if you want to get in contact with us just send us a DM um, on either of them
2: and um, that's there's, the there's to tons out. of content on our YouTube channel as oh, well. yeah, just it. Yeah. there's loads of stuff to get started with our beginners guide but we've done so loads of different series of videos on, on YouTube and there's, there'll be loads of stuff for people to get stuck you into there to you know, try and play around with some of the Google classes.
0: school accounts and you'll find it. Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I can vouch for that YouTube channel for sure like you're, you're, you've got so much quality content on there for anyone looking to start out and build on it like it's you've got st- you know a channel is good when you're like they should be charging for this so go check it out <laughs> um, Cheers, you, you're gonna love it lads thank you so much again
2: we hope you've enjoyed this week's uh, School of Science podcast playgrounds session if you have enjoyed it and we would really appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes or whatever platform you're enjoying this on and give us a five-star review we realize there is one to four but really it's only about the five stars and that helps people to find us and we get to share this information with others we hopefully can help them to redefine their impossible
0: yeah it's totally not about just trying to help our build us some confidence no (laughs) we're not
2: at all insecure
0: so until next week
2: class dismissed